Good morning, church. The Bible reading for today is from Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 to 11. The Lord spoke to Moses, See, I have called by name Bazalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with divine spirit, with ability, intelligence, and knowledge in every kind of craft, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, in every kind of craft. Moreover, I have appointed with him Ohibel, son of Ahimashk, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given skill to all the skillful, so that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, and the ark of the covenant, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin with its stand, and the finely worked vestments, the holy vestments for the priest Aaron, and the vestments of his sons, for their service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, for the holy place, they shall do just as I have commanded you. The second reading for today is from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30. The parable of the talents. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Kathy Altman, and this is the second in our series on time, talent, and treasure, and how we think about each of these. Let's pray as we begin. Father, please use my words and speak to our hearts. Amen. Each year at the Balnarring Beach Mission, which a number of people here have been on, the kids put on a Balnarring's Got Talent show. You can imagine it, everything from karaoke to juggling. And that got me thinking, how would we do with a St Tom's Has Got Talent show? As I thought about our community, I thought, well, we've definitely got karaoke as a talent, but here are a few other abilities. Cooking, cleaning, financial advising, investing, organising, strategic thinking, operating the sound desk, which is definitely a talent, gymnastics, engineering, electrical, caring, medical, listening, encouraging, music, entrepreneurship, common sense, hospitality, academic work, sport, dance, business, grandparenting. I hope that you've heard at least one of your talents. And I'm sure you'll agree we are a pretty talented bunch. So how do we think about these aptitudes as Christians? I want to contrast our culture's view with a Christian view in three ways. What? why and how. And I hope that if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this gives you more of a handle on how Christians live. And if you are, that you're encouraged to use your, uh, God's gifts flowing through you to others. So firstly, let's look at what our talents are. And I'm not focusing on so-called spiritual gifts, just our natural abilities and talents, although it's hard to divide at times. In our secular culture, they are something I own. I have earned them by the work of my hands or maybe the sweat of my training. They're things perhaps passed down from my parents or grandparents, but I still own the prestige. And in our society, there are some talents are more equal than others, aren't there? Those that get you high ATARs, that earn you high-paying jobs, um, popularity or fame. And this can be true in our families. Perhaps think for a moment about what talents or abilities were prized as you were growing up. What then are our talents in a Christian worldview? Well, they're not something I own, but God's generous gift entrusted to us. And this changes everything. 
in Genesis 1, God creates everything. By definition, all we have is given by him. And in that Exodus 31 passage, Bezalel is filled with the spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, knowledge and all kinds of skills. Uh, the list goes on of all the incredible skills that God uh, gives the workers in order to make the tent of meeting. In the parable of the talents, as in so many parables, the master entrusts his slaves each with a huge treasure before he goes away. It's a generous gift. And just a note that the word talent did not mean special ability back in Jesus' time. The way we use the word has come down to us as people have interpreted the parable. But at the time, a talent was just a huge sum of money. In fact, 20 years worth of a day labourer's wage. So even the man who got just one talent was given something like a million dollars. Amazing. And as we interpret the meaning of this treasure, uh, of course it is broader than simply our natural abilities. It could include all that God has entrusted to us. Think of the, there's the gospel, there's spiritual gifts, but a subset of that is our natural abilities and that's our focus today. So our natural abilities are not self-created, but a generous gift of God. Secondly, why use my abilities? What's their ultimate purpose? In our secular culture, I use them for my own ends. It's up to me. It might be, and often is, self-advancement. I think that's the message we get to get ahead of others at school or work or sport. Maybe self-expression. Maybe to bring honour to our family, make our parents proud. And maybe the sheer enjoyment that comes just from feeling capable. And there is great enjoyment as we use our gifts. There are God's good gifts. It's not wrong to express ourselves, enjoy the rewards from our abilities, but we're missing out if we use our talents only for our own ends. And of course, if it's up to us, we can decide not to use them at all. There's also a downside that I've experienced before I was a Christian. My ability in music and my intellect became my way of feeling secure. So I'd be whispering to myself, well, I feel a bit awkward. I'm not really sure how to talk to these people at uni. But remember, at least I'm, I'm sure I'm smarter than them and I'm better at playing the violin. My ability was the proof that I was worth something. What a trap that was. I felt proud putting them down and I didn't really feel secure and okay just for being me. You might have experienced this too. I think it's such a common human experience. It's an awful cycle of insecurity and the need to perform. How can we escape? Well, let's look at why we use our talents 
from a Christian point of view. Back to Genesis 1. Humans are told to be fruitful and increase, fill the earth and subdue it. In the garden they are to work and take care of it. Subduing, caring and working with creation. These all suggest the use of our talents and abilities to nurture, organise, invent, improve and ultimately enrich the world and the lives of those in it. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25 is also about enriching, just a slightly different angle. The context is that Jesus has come to Jerusalem where he will be killed. The disciples are wondering when the end of the age will be and Jesus' second coming will happen. And Jesus warns them, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. He then tells three parables of which this is the last and all of them are about keeping watch, being ready for the master's unexpected return. In other words, what should we do between Jesus going and his coming again? And of course, this is exactly where we are today. And you know the story, the man going on a journey, summoning his slaves, entrusting the first with five, the next with two, and the last with one talent. At once, the one who's received the five goes and trades with them and makes five more and in the same way, the one who has two. But the third digs the hole and hides the money. After a long time, Jesus says, the master comes back. Then the one who has received the five comes forward. See, I have made five more talents. The master says, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the same happens with the slave with two. He receives the same commendation. These two slaves just put the talents to work until the master returned. And why? It doesn't seem like they had any thought of reward as the theologian Helmut Thielicke notes about the parallel passage in Luke. They were simply faithful. The master commends them as good and trustworthy. They enrich the master and they give the increase back. So why do they use the talents? Well, it's simply the good and trustworthy thing to do with the master's property. And it means they can enrich the master and give it back to God. J.S. Bach understood this. He was given an incredible musical gift. His work is complex, ahead of its time, profound, searingly beautiful, and it's comforted millions. It's enriched the world. And yet he wrote at the end of every piece, S-D-G, Soli Deo Gloria. Glory to God alone. He saw that his gift came from God. And as his musical creativity increased, 
he gave that back to God. Or take a receptionist that I knew, let's call her Sue. She greeted everyone as they came to work with a kind word, a smile, a genuine interest in who they were. And when she left the organisation after 20 years, Sue said in her speech, if you ever felt cared for or encouraged or listened to by me, that was God, because I really believe he put me here to be that person. She enriched the lives of others and she gave back the increase to God. So that's the purpose, I think, of our abilities, enriching the world, ourselves and others, and giving the increase back to him. This is beautifully summarised by Cornelius Alapide, who was a Jesuit priest in the 1500s. He stated that God distributes gifts unequally, as in the parable, that each should use them for God's glory and the good of themselves and others. Thirdly, and probably most importantly, let's look at how do we use our abilities and talents. In a secular view, if I own them, they're for my own ends. I can use them however I want. And I think in a secular world, this always tends towards competition, vying with others. Don't we experience this every day? I'll be measuring my abilities against theirs, comparing myself, judging myself for how I perform. I've certainly experienced this playing violin. Uh, in an orchestra, every position is ranked. So if I was five from the top, I would be thinking, I feel pretty good being up here. Uh, look at that guy ahead of me, he's so flashy. Oh, I'm sure I'm heaps more musical than him. But I would also be thinking, do I deserve to be here? I'm sure there's people behind me who are better than me. I just heard them practicing, they sound really good. They probably think I shouldn't be here. It would go on and on like this. You've probably experienced this yourself. Somebody gets given more responsibility or a better grade at school and you know you're more competent than them. You resent it. You judge them like I did, the flashy violinist. Or you get offered some role and then you're not sure that you're really up to it. You're full of anxiety. You try to prove yourself worthy with extra effort. Competition is not all bad. It can be fun and engaging, but if we worship ability, we end up stuck on that treadmill of anxiety, pride and insecurity. And this is the paradox. It sounds so freeing to use all my abilities however I want for whatever I decide, but divorced from their real purpose, our talents are a trap. And if there's only my own strength to rely on, what happens when my strength fails or I get older and can do less? What if I become disabled? What if I have long COVID? Aren't I less worthy? In contrast, 
How can we use our abilities if we're Christians? If they are a generous gift given to enrich the world, then instead of vying with others, we can rest in the vine. As Jesus prepares to leave his disciples in John's gospel, he tells them, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this applies whether we're cooking, cleaning, financial advising, investing, organising, operating the sound desk, doing gymnastics. Whatever your ability is, remember this is God's generous gift given to enrich others and do it connected to the vine in his strength, depending on him. We don't have to find our identity in how well we perform and we don't have to evaluate ourselves based on vying against others. Remember, the slaves are not praised for how much they made, but because they went and did something. That's a great encouragement to act faithfully with what we've been given. And in contrast to my experience in the orchestra, I found it so encouraging to play violin with my friend Angela Chandler. And we pray simply before a concert something like this. Dear God, thank you for the gift of music and the opportunity to give enjoyment to others through it. We pray you will use our playing. As I play, I try to visualize myself connected to the vine. It's God's fruitfulness coming through me. And if our strength fails, we lose our ability. We discover that God delights to use our weakness and vulnerability even more than our ability. We are still eternally worthy, connected to the vine. And being connected means that we can step out and act like the slaves. When the master goes away, Jesus says at once, the one who had received the five talents went off and traded with them and made five more. I love that word, at once. There's no agonizing, no delay. And don't we know how the more we put off using what we have been given, the more doubt creeps in? So please be encouraged. Our abilities are there to be used. Have you been holding off using one of your abilities, waiting for the perfect time till you feel more confident? We don't have to delay, we don't have to compare. God will take care of the increase. But there is a warning, of course, in the third slave. He recognises that the money is the master's. He even says, here you have what is yours as he gives back that talent that he has dug up from the ground, he acknowledges God but distorts his character. He even blames him. He says, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter, so I was afraid. I hid your talent in the ground. The master condemns him as wicked and lazy. 
in effect, he says, well, if you say I'm harsh, why didn't you just put my money with the bankers? But is the master harsh, reaping where he did not sow? He was entrusted with a million dollars. Hasn't the master sown a generous talent on him? Shouldn't the slave have done something? I think we see the master's true character in entrusting his slaves in the first place and generously, unexpectedly rewarding the faithful slaves, inviting them into his joy. So let's not be like that third slave, acknowledging God's there, but misjudging and mistrusting his character, refusing to make use of all we've been given. The master is one who generously gives and waits to welcome you into his joy. So how can we act on this today and this week? Well, if you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart, as Joshua urged us last week. Have you been holding off exercising an ability? Do you sense God's invitation to use it? Step out at once. Pray about it with somebody after the service. Take some small action today or tomorrow, depending on him. I'd love it if everyone could tell one other person at morning tea, uh, just encourage them with a gift or an ability that they have noticed in them. This week, if we catch ourselves feeling proud about our ability, remind ourselves, it's a gift of God. I've been given it to enrich others. Or this week, if you notice you're feeling down on yourself because you haven't done well enough, you can pray, thank you, God. I trust that you've given me ability. Help me to use it and leave the result to you. This week, let's enjoy what we have been given and thank God for that joy. When we catch ourselves comparing and vying with others on that treadmill, let's gently remind ourselves to rest in the vine. Father, help me stay connected to you. Depend on your strength. And finally, don't misjudge or mistrust the master. He is good and generous. Choose the way of joy as you see your abilities as God's generous gift to enrich the world and rest in the vine. Let's pray. And I'm using the words of Paul Zach's Christmas communion song. Father, nothing here won by our hands. All is grace, nothing we earned. All that we make and we do is your gift. Let your gifts flow through our hands from your heart into the world. Amen. Amen.